Recorded live. And here we are back at Health and Wellness for the Golden Age. And it is a golden age. We've got sunshine out and we've got Irma coming up the coast and we've got Jose behind her and we've got Katia out in the uh, Mexican Gulf. What more could a people in the South want? It's excitement. <laughs> it's new life. It's uh, getting rid of debris. Oh, okay. So it's body debris, house debris, grass debris, uh, a lot of that. And then you have the attackers. And the attackers are now, this is so hysterically insane, funny, because they are blaming Trump for Irma and Harvey because of his anti racist team. Excuse me. Uh, did Trump become God, or did he pull all the buttons on the uh, harp programs? But, oh, let me not throw some truth into the fact, but there we go. We There was one um, lady that is in St. Louis, Missouri. Now, is that not like the middle of the country or pretty well close to it? And she's criticizing him, uh, Trump, for daring to have these storms come up. Now, the, re- the place, that <clears throat> the resort was on in um, some Barbados or something like that. It was in the path of the storm. Was he supposed to move his property so that it would be avoided, so that only the people remaining would get affected? This is, it, was, it destroyed most of the islands around there. The, the winds were so high. I've had people call me and say, are you all right? Irma's coming to you. I said, we're way inland. (laughs) (laughs) We're so far inland and up farther north and where these things are going to be. Yes, we will get, you know, some weather. We'll get some rain. We'll get the wind, but we won't get the destruction. And that's the real thing then. I mean, some people will be flooded, but we're not going to have the, massive destruction that they're doing down there. And then yesterday I read, you know, in Houston, they have those nuclear plants. And fortunately, they didn't get compromised, fortunately. But they were doing nothing to prevent a major nuclear catastrophe there like Fukushima. Now, Florida is in the same situation. And the 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 comic line was from the authority was, oh, it we have to do it in a very gradual toning down. We have plenty of time. It's to hit tomorrow. This was yesterday. He said it. Excuse me. Where is the time? Plenty of time. <laughs> I don't know. The insanity out there is just gargantuan, and it just is very funny and very sad for those people. You know, uh, Steve Frank is down in Florida, uh, Orpha. I know. That's where he is. Yeah. And and he could probably very well get hit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He and his daughter and grandson are down there. I don't know if they've, mm-hmm. they're exiting or what they're doing, but 
They're probably doing something. He'll be bartering with someone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's good on that. Hi, Lane. It's good to see you. But we have uh, a different program. I don't know if it's different or not. I'm doing this health program with uh, National Liberty Alliance, and so it gives me different topics to talk about. And uh, the, the one we were doing yesterday was about different healing methods. And uh, we've never really talked about healing methods, so I thought that might be something interesting for us to uh, actually um, start talking about because if the shit hits the fan, you've got to be able to take care of yourself without ever having a doctor around. And that is part of what I wanted to talk to you or for after the program because of uh, the email I sent you. So I think it'll be helpful. And and if and if you think it's helpful for everybody, I'll send it out to everybody. But it's something that you have been struggling with for a lot of your life and I think that it might help. But um one of the things that we're uh, going through with what Robert went through was the um injury he had and didn't even know he had injured himself that badly. But it literally, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, it paralyzed him to where he could not move the next morning. And what it was, he had somehow done something to his back. He didn't sever nerves or any of those things, but it totally threw his body out of whack. And then they misdiagnosed it. And they did misdiagnosis and said, oh, oh, it's just muscle strain. Well, that doctor that actually diagnosed it um, was when they found out how bad Robert was and what the real situation was, because it was a major situation. And it probably could have severed nerves if it had continued. And um, they brought him on the board, and the doctor disappeared, never to be seen again. So you wonder if he was a real doctor. <laughs> and he that that was out on the West Coast. I think he, listen, Nikki is uh, Robert in Oregon or he's in a West Coast state. And uh, but what he, it, it got him into physical therapy and the physical therapist was doing something and it was a Reiki method. And Reiki was what brought him back and how he's helped other people. He went and became a student of Reiki. So different paths take us different ways. So it was interesting. And of course, I brought up some of my Scientology um, healing methods, and a lot of people don't like Scientology, but there's things we learn that I have used since I learned them in 79. And it has kept my body whole that I don't have to go to doctors. So it, it it behooves us to always look at is there's no audio. Are you guys hearing me? Yes. Uh, yeah. Guess seven, yeah. Guess seven. Not on the west. On. What? Not on the west. Not on the west. Oh. Okay. He's Washington or Oregon is what uh, Nikki said, and she's thinking it's Oregon also. So. Um, but guest seven is saying there's no audio. That's why they dropped. 
Morgan, yay, that's where he is. He, 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 he should know Charlie. She just checked. <laughs> Thanks, Nikki. Mm. And uh, but it's with the Scientology stuff. If you get there, she has a smile face. Thank you, babe. Uh, she has. Uh, I mean, in in Scientology, they did a lot of good stuff in teaching you some very basic stuff like looking up your words. If you don't understand a word, you're not going to be able to do the deed. If you're uh, sick, you can heal yourself because what have we talked in this program is about having better health. And one of the tools you have is how to heal yourself. And we've used the line, doctor, heal thyself. And um, so there's one method I forgot to mention last night that I want to remember. remember <clears throat> If you bang yourself and and hurt yourself, like like Elaine, you're you're doing all sorts of construction stuff and with Ray and stuff. If you hurt yourself, and this is going to sound real weird, go through the action again without actually hitting yourself. If it's a hammer and you hit your thumb with the hammer, pretend you're about to hit, but just use that hammer over the thumb until the the pain goes away. It'll get really intense, but it will go away. That's called um, actually doing the act again to draw the energy, the negative energy out. And you can do that also with your hand. If you hurt your yourself, your leg or something, and you've hit it on a table, just kind of move the leg towards the table in the same action, if you recall it, that you did when you hit it the first time. Not hitting the table is very important. You don't want to re-hit it. You just want to do the motion of what you did. And uh, then the other one is if you hit yourself and you don't recall how it is, uh, just kind of pet yourself at that area as if you're doing petting a cat or, or tap it. Just tap it as if you're petting or tapping a cat or a dog. And just do it very lightly. Don't have to pound. You just do it very, very lightly. And you'll be surprised how that will dissipate the pain. It will get no black and blues. I've done it with knife cuts. I cut myself one time in in one of the law firms on my whatever finger, and I just went through the motion with the knife over the finger, never touching the finger. The bleeding stopped. The, the cut closed up. And I went back to work and typed away. No pain, no, no problem. So the body is a wonderful mechanism for healing itself. And um, we even talked about a mirror so many times uh, before. Well, we've talked about the mirror and how to look in the mirror and you can see how your eyes are and, and how you look when you smile or when you frown, etc. Well, you can do that when you're angry also. And when you look in the mirror and see how you look in the mirror, you really see how other people see you. And that's quite awesome because it will help you appreciate what they're seeing in your face. I one time a long time ago, I had my pictures taken for uh, what they call the composite for uh, getting SAG and AFTER cards. 
in uh, Hollywood in Los Angeles. And I had one picture where it showed me with as a bag lady clutching my bag and looking really frightened. Well, I did such a good job when I had this tryout that I scared <laughs> I scared the other actors and actresses, so I lost the job. A little bit too intense. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they could have said, tone it down a little bit, I would have done that, but it was funny. So, um, and and it is how they see you that is important as to what is going on within your body. So most of us have to uh, can learn a lot from it. And we we talked about the mirror, and and Jan brought up a very interesting point. He used to have his clients. Because I think he must have been a therapist at one time, and he, he said he had clients who were not feeling good about themselves. But before they got into the shower or what, full-length mirror, stand there and love the top of their head and go down their body <clears throat> for each part of their body so that they can love that part of their body. And if it didn't feel good, you had to keep at it until it felt good. And and it's true. Jack, um Jack Canfield, a very famous psychologist or psychiatrist who worked with Mark Victor Hansen on the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, and he was doing that way back in the early part of his his career and before uh, Mark and he connected, was that same thing. And he ran into his wife one time and says, I think I'm falling in love with myself. And she just laughed and said, that's the objective, because how many of us have have had to really learn to love ourselves, because we've been taught loving yourself is egotistical, and it's not. It's actually healthy, and it doesn't mean that you have to become pompous or, oh, everybody see me as a beautiful person. No, it's you loving you. You're the best one for that, and uh, it's a important that we actually create that love of ourselves to be able to love others. And that goes to that sign I I shared of love everyone. I'll sort it out later, God. So it's important that we just really do love ourselves and love others. That's the golden rule. And I and ninety nine percent of the insanity will totally be wiped away because it's counterproductive for the psychopaths to have all of us just ignore and not do what they want us to do. So that's another health post. Does anybody else have anything? Oh, and we had a, um, a touch assist, which was bringing the body into balance. Our body, when it's injured, is out of balance. It's in trauma. So when you have a a problem with your body, you do a touch assist to balance the body so it can come back into even. I hope hope, uh, little um, Sophie's yipping in the background doesn't bother anybody, but she does that when she's scratching, so I apologize. Does anybody else have any healing method or some way that they've been able to keep them out of the doctor's offices 
Please do share. Hey, we did talk about you. Come on. <laughs> I just came upon something which I had never paid any attention to. <clears throat> um, you know how you get these goofy magazines in the mail that try to sell you all kinds of crap. But, um, I mean, uh, it may or may not work. I don't try them. I get rid of the magazines. But for some reason, I didn't throw this one away. And it hit upon something that, you know, they they say people don't think about this. And this stuff that they're they're selling, you put it on like deodorant underneath your arms. But it's called Lymph Active. And what it does is it kickstarts your lymphatic system into gear. And it it shows in this... I'm, I'm going to try some, but um, I haven't gotten any yet, so I don't know for sure if it's, you know, true. But it's probably the first thing I've seen that when I read it, I think, you know, that really makes sense. Yeah. You know, they... um talk about in here, you know, how, you know, you can go and get what's called a lymph drainage, I guess. And it's kind of like a massaging type of thing. And and it works, but it stops as soon as the massage stops. Well, this uh-huh. stuff, this stuff actually really kickstarts the lymph into, into gear. And it talks, it shows people that um, have had stuff wrong and within five hours they've noticed stuff whether it's um i mean there's some things that take longer you know they're not guaranteeing that everything's going to be gone in five hours but a lot of stuff has worked within you know within five hours uh, um, a lot of like edema around your ankles and and hands. You know how our hands and feet swell up. Yeah, a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, the losing weight within five hours, you can notice difference in like waist area, um, especially well waist, hips, buttocks, the 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 natural areas where it's hard people lose weight um age spots um the the little chin waddle get rid of that you know yeah. and i'm i'm reading this and i'm going oh my gosh you know there's i never thought about how but but it does this from internally you know we we do a lot of stuff putting things on our skin, you know, taking things to go through our digestive system, which has a hard job, you know, a lot of the times our absorption isn't the way it should be, and so a lot of that stuff doesn't get absorbed anyway. That's why they say, you know, (laughs) landfills are, or not landfills, but the sewage system is filled with nine-tenths of our medication that we take. But um, it shows here, you know, um. It's like if you've got knee problems and stuff, it'll not only take the the swelling and stuff down, it takes the pain away, um, and it starts rebuilding the cartilage. 
um, the lymph system, you know, we, we don't ever talk about that, you know, it's, and it dawned on me, you know, when I was reading this, I said, you know, we don't talk about the lymph system. Why? I don't know. We don't know um, anything about it, mostly. I, I I think that's probably true. We, just, we don't know anything about it because we never talk about it. And, right. you know, I was, as I was going through this, you know, it, it, it somehow gets the lymph system going. I'm not sure how it works, but um, the lymph, I guess, goes through every, you know, it, it takes the toxins and everything out of every organ, out of our skin, out of everything. And what it does with it was was my question. You know, when you get this stuff, where do you put it? You know, where, where yeah. do you send it? Um, but it is a, a waste removal, and it will clean out the organs. It'll clean out every single part of the body. And I, I just never really thought about it, but I've been staring at this book, and I'm going, dang, you know. It's, it, it takes fat away. <laughs> it, takes, it, it takes edema away. It fixes your knees. It can... Um, well, let me see here. I, I've, I'm just totally amazed at looking through this magazine, seeing what it does, and and it you do no more than act like you're putting deodorant on twice a day. You know, it's in a little thing that you um, you you access the lymph through your underarms. But right. I didn't realize where all the lymph you know went. But it's up, you know, in your face. Down through your shoulders, your arms, down your legs, all over in your abdomen area. Um, I don't know where I thought it went, but <laughs> I, I don't know. But it says, you know, once you get that stuff cleaned out with the lymph system, it your your body is able to heal itself. You know, um, I don't know. I've I just thought I'd bring that up because maybe we need to do more studying on the lymph. You know, they say, oh, do this to this organ or do that to that organ or, you know, put this on your skin or take this, you know, before meals or take this after meals or, you know, whatever. Whatever it is, it's always dealing with one thing where we know that the systems all work together. Right. The lymph system works with everything. <clears throat> Well, that's one of every, the, yeah. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Okay. Go ahead. I'm, go ahead. I was done. Go ahead. Uh, it, that's exactly what little um, Emily was always saying. It's your lymph system. If you don't have the lymph system going properly, it'll always cause you the mm-hmm. problem. And she was always pushing for things to do with the lymph system. And and I think she did mention where it was, and I remember her saying it's under your armpit, and I think something comes down your neck and stuff. And those, the most of us have run our limbs all through. It it really is not like a, a a blood vessel. It's not in a carrier. It's just throughout our body is our lymph system and they're they're 
tubeless or something like that, if I remember correctly. And she said, if they're not well, you will run yourself into the ground. And what have mm-hmm. most of us been running ourselves into the ground? And we can't do that anymore. I uh, I find that, you know, I'm not re- 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 um, recuperating as fast as I used to. But I have changed some of it. And what I'm doing is I'm taking my apple cider vinegar in the morning with some honey and before I go to bed with some honey. And I'm, I am sleeping better. I'm having a... Uh, I, I feel I'm not as fatigued. I'm tired, but not fatigued, if that makes a sense. Uh, it's important to know the differentiation there. And um, But it, it's, it's an interesting thing that you're bringing that out. Because, and we do need to take care of that limb system because most people's illness is a direct result of how uh, their limb is. And what's the other one yeah. for diabetes? Is that the pancreas? And the pancreas yes. needs to be restored because that's why we have this massive, massive amount of people with diabetes. This, uh, let me just read you a little bit. In, in this book, it says, um, lymph nodes of the face and neck improve the look of the skin wrinkles and spots they also help with tonsils and the immune system lymph vessels of the chest protect arteries and the heart they improve breathing as well lymph nodes wow. of the groin improve sexual abilities lymph node or lymph vessels help prevent heavy legs and varicose veins lymph vessels of the abdomen improve liver pancreatic spleen which is the immune system stomach and intestinal functions why is it done via the uh, underarms because that's where the entire lymphatic system is found it's the most efficient way to treat puffy drain treat purify drain and reactivate your lymphatic system no massage no kinesiology no health risks just long-lasting effects um And it says, when circulation in the lymphatic system is deficient, the body weakens and becomes unable to eliminate toxins. In turn, this leads to a host of health issues, including cardiovascular problems, a decline in the immune system, and an increased susceptibility to illness. Um, It reduces the swelling, this, this stuff, reduces your swelling in five hours, it drains the water and excess fat that re- that's retained. It also traps and burns accumulated waste. You'll slim down considerably in five hours. It soothes your muscle and joint pain. It drains the toxins and waste that cause joint and muscle inflammation, making pain stop. Helps you lose pounds and inches. You'll slim down, losing pounds and inches from your hips, thighs, and stomach bolsters your immune system and protects you from illness. You'll become resistant to winter illnesses, contagious illnesses, and even degenerative illnesses. Protects all your organs by eliminating waste and purifying blood. Lymph active protects all your vital organs. You'll feel healthier immediately. And it's showing pictures of people that have I mean, I know they could probably take pictures and just slap them in here, but um, uh, it's 
I, I just feel something different with this stuff. I don't. It, I don't feel like it's a bunch of crap. <laughs> um, but it says results are visible in just five hours and comes with a one-year guarantee because we know you won't need it. Um, wow, that's quite an, a statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm thinking, well, okay, you know, but they're showing, you know, the lymph system, it goes like up your jaw bones and kind of like around your ears and up to your temples. That's what uh, I thought. Down, yeah. Yeah, down your down your neck, over across your shoulders, down down your chest, down your arms, um down into your whole abdomen area and then down your legs and feet. They don't show the back, so I don't know where it, it all goes in the back, but um Yes. Yeah. So I uh, I'd known uh, a couple women that had the breast cancer, and one of the things that that we hear about today uh, so often is the media programming us with uh, these ideas of illness. Um, you know, talking about how terrible we feel, and and just causing us to focus on the illness. And, when we focus on that illness, we actually attach it to ourselves. Um, it's good to know information, but a lot of people take all that information and, and just become really brainwashed by it. Um, I just try myself to uh, think health for my life, uh, look at the good parts of my body, the uh, immune system, and how to support that. You know, in a, you know, if you're loving yourself you know what attributes in your body are healthful to your life and how can I enhance that. And usually it's all in the mind. Sometimes it's uh, physical. But one of the things um, I had to do uh, uh, this past week, I had to do some type construction work and um, I gashed a big gash in my hand. And um, not too bad, but pretty bad. And um, it, a nice flap of skin pulled over, and I had, you know, profuse bleeding. And um, so I don't have health insurance. I, I just am so frustrated with it. I, I don't even trust it. I don't want to be ripped off. I'm super feeling all the negativity. Um, and and so I just let it go and said, you know, you know I'll just trust God. Um, and if I die, I die. And if I live, I live. But I'll do those things that I can that help me live. So anyway, what I did immediately is uh, go in and wash the wounds. And I keep better um, iodine or uh, what is it called? I uh, <laughs> Let me see. I'm looking at my medicine. I keep a big bottle of this. Uh, yeah, it is. It's called betadine, and it's iodine, and all. It's the same stuff they use when they cleanse you for surgery. So I washed the wound out. I cleaned it with beta iodine. I um, pressed the flap of skin back into position, uh, taped it uh, with a bandage, and then because I really probably could have needed stitches, and then because it's on my hand and I'll be working, I duct taped my hand 
open, you know, yeah. put it wrapped up, duct tape over the bandage. And um, so that wound is healed, and I have very little scarring. And I did that. I've had to do that twice this past week. I had to put our dog, Brady, down uh, oh. after after all the mm. suffering that she had. Uh, she Her hips were out of joint. She uh, kept falling downstairs, couldn't get back up. And then oh. I tried to pick her up to help her to get her upstairs. And it hurt her so bad she bit me. She bit me twice, but mm. for the, the second gash was one mm. of her bites. But really, wow. what um, but really what was was bad was that she was just laying uh, on her bed at nine, and didn't even realize when I got up to go, you know, in the morning to see her and take her out, she had a big old stool hanging from her butt and didn't even know it. Mm. And so it was so sad. I didn't want to see her suffer anymore. But it was a beautiful, a beautiful experience. But that was the second gash that I got. Um, but what I do, uh, I keep, um, I take uh, 1,500 milligrams of vitamin C a day. And especially for older people like myself, um, or as your body begins to age and you start losing that collagen or the ability to you know, uh, produce more collagen, your skin tissue gets um, kind of uh, weak. And I found out by visiting my mom that we tend to have thin skin. And so now as time is moving on, I'm seeing that myself, that my tissues uh, are not as strong as they could be. I don't have uh, sagging wrinkles or, you know, things like that to deal with. Uh, of course, I have wrinkles, but I don't have, like, hanging, tagging, weak skin because I work so hard. But um, I do take 1,500 uh, milligrams of vitamin C a day. I also take, um, um, you know, B vitamins. I, I keep, you know, try to keep that. I drink a 17-gram uh, protein drink a day, and um, I don't eat meat. So that's kind of an issue. My diet is not that great. But I also, because I have crushed foot injury and arthritis, and Ray has uh, arthritis in the spine, we, uh, I also take about two tablespoons of granulated pure garlic, the powdered form, but from the health food store, a day, and about a tablespoon of, um, what is that, turmeric for pain, arthritic pain. Mm-hmm. And so I I take that, but on the on the other side, uh, I read an article, and this is just something to throw out there. Um, you can use super glue to seal up a laceration that mm-hmm. needs sutures, mm-hmm. and so that's a good thing. One of the other things that I have in my first aid kit. And I have a heavy-duty first aid kit, and I think everybody should have that. I have a first aid kit that if need be, I can do, uh, you know, light surgery. Um, but I have a blood clotting um, uh, pack uh, for profuse bleeding. It's the same thing that they use uh, out in the war when they're fighting on the field. Uh, and you crack it open and you place it over the wound and it cauterizes the wound. Uh, it'll at least get you, you know, to stop bleeding. Mm. 
And so I keep a very good first aid kit with a lot of bandages, uh, you know, scalpels, needles, all kinds of threads, all kinds of medications. Um, and so that's kind of what I do. But on the in on the inward side, I realize that, um, you know, I, I have a lot of heartache. I have a lot of stress. Everybody does, but I'm just talking about me. Uh, and when you have a, a heartache, when you're sad, and it doesn't mean you're depressed, but it means you have challenges or you suffered loss, um, it tends to affect your health. And so the heart and the mind connection is uh, very important to try to keep your head wrapped around what you want for a happy and healthy life, even in the midst of all your struggles. And so that's one of the hardest things. I think, you know, if you talk about working out in a gym, uh, you know, I have that on steroids because I'm constantly having to work my mind to remember to look at the positive sides and to realize that there is a lot of negativity out there and within me because of all the things that I've experienced and the external input from negative programming. And so I practice my uh, canceling of the negative and replacing with the positive. And I think health to my body and I leave the rest in God's hands. And uh, I don't live in fear. I think that's the most important thing is not to live in fear. Uh, To live in faith, not fear, is the most important thing. And faith that you know who you are and where you are and what your beliefs are and, and that you're, uh, you have continuity of person within. But that's about it for me on that. But um, I did use that. Um, and what I've noticed is when I do the, like, seal the skin and tape it and flap it and whatever, I didn't have any super glue. I wish I had. I didn't. So I used the, uh, you know, bandage and duct tape. <laughs> but um, it actually heals up. I mean, I can I can think loving and healing to myself, and those wounds have healed up. I mean, sealed up. Even when I take the bandage off to bathe, uh, the skin is sealed up, flat and solid in two days. So even though I have thin skin and I'm getting older, uh, your mind can actually heal your body if you concentrate on it. And concentration is is stressful because it takes brain activity, and that's work. So what I found is the added vitamin to that brain work is loving yourself, is is feeling a sense of love, feeling a sense of wholeness. So I think love and wholeness into the wound and live the rest by faith. But... So Ray wasn't handling the uh, losing the Brady. You know, it's interesting. I've never had to deal with uh, Ray and an autistic person's loss. And I I thought to myself, what should I do? Should I take him to the vet with me? I mean, he might just be heartbroken. And then I did a, a, a stupid thing. Okay, I didn't know it was stupid, but now I do. I thought, okay. I know what I'll do because Ray uh, sees Brady fall down. She was actually falling down when she tried to 
put her head down to eat, her body, her hips would just give out and she'd swallow her sideways. And it was so sad because when she'd have incontinence, Ray would rush over and try to clean it himself and his hands are, they don't open and close, so there's no way he could do it. So he'd be getting this mess all over himself just because he was afraid if she was having incontinence in the house, I would take her. And then he'd say, Brady alive, Brady alive, run, get his iPad and type, Brady alive. And, you know, so this went on for, you know, over a month. And I, so I decided, uh, Ray, honey, you know, is what I told him, Brady is so sick. So what I want to do is take her to the doctor. And uh, I hired a lady to come and stay with Ray. Uh, and then I and then I said, well, say goodbye to Brady now because we're going to take her to the doctor and, and she'll be back. And um, so I took her. It was, you know, heart-wrenching but such a beautiful thing. Uh, the doctor was really kind. I couldn't get her out of the car. She had me drive the Jeep around the back. I had Brady's bed in the back with a hatch door open. She had me drive around the back of the clinic. She came out with blankets, and um, I told her, you better bring a muzzle because if you try to move her, she'll bite you. She'll try to bite. So I put a muzzle on her just so the doctor could give her a shot, and I thought it was the shot for euthanasia, but it was the shot to put her to sleep. And so I took the muzzle off right after the shot, and I just sat there in the car with her holding her head, telling her how much I loved her, and how beautiful she was, and, you know, just comforting her, and she went to sleep. But what was interesting, she was so traumatized by my, uh, oh, I wanted to cuss, but by my terrible neighbor who beat her, that one time the doctor came out to check to see if she was still asleep. And even though Brady was almost at that point where you're just conked out, you know how you're listening to ambient sound in the background. It was very warm, sunny day. You could hear some workmen talking in the building next door, and it was kind of soothing. She was just about to fall asleep, and the doctor came out to check. And Brady, because those uh, nice neighbors creep up behind her and grab her and hit her, you know, as soon as she heard something from the side, it's like she tried to get up, but her hips weren't working. So then she was thrashing around. So I'm glad the doctor got to see that, that she actually had fear for people coming up behind her. And so I grabbed her and laid her back down, and she went to sleep quick, and as soon as she was asleep, uh, the doctor came back out and gave her, you know, the shot that would put her down for good. So when I went home, um, I told Ray, oh, honey, you know, Ray uh, Brady, it was a, a Friday and I said, Brady, the doctor wants to keep Brady because I thought, okay, he's autistic. Uh, over the weekend, you know, I can say the doctor called and said she passed. Well, that didn't work. It did not work. And and it was like constantly all day long, pick up Brady, pick up Brady, pick up Brady. And I even sat Ray, who was heavy, in my lap. And held him and looked at him and said, you know, honey, everybody, you know, dies. And Brady was 12 and dog only lived to 12. And she's asleep now. She's no longer alive. He couldn't accept it. So it got so bad that he started breaking things. 
And when he breaks things, just like us, when when life has gone to shit, sometimes we just want to destroy everything when we're just like to hell with it. And so, excuse me, so that's what he started doing. I took him to the gym thinking, oh, we'll go in the jacuzzi, the spa, and the swimming. I gave him a floaty and I went into a, my body was aching from all the work I'd done the day before. So I went into the other side that could still see him uh, in the hot jacuzzi for my body. And uh, then I went back to check on him about five minutes and pieces of floaty were floating all over the pool. And he just tore it up. So we had to do something. He was not going to accept not having his dog. He just wasn't. And um, so I I didn't want to get another dog. I mean, I'm still going through the grief of what I was dealing with. All the times I had to clean up blood clots and pee and poop and get bit and pick her up and coax her to eat and all that, you know. And um, But yesterday we went down to the Humane Society and, you know, I had read online that sometimes animals that pass that they have served you in some way that you're not really aware of, um, that they have helped you at some point in your life, providing some need for you. And if they pass, sometimes if there's a love-soul connection between the owner and the pet, that that pet will send another animal that is just perfect for you back into your life to continue. And so I thought, for sure they're going to do that for Ray, and that's so we went to the uh, we looked at the Humane Society and uh, went through all the adoption dogs and Ray picked out Rockstar and Rockstar Rockstar, Rockstar. Rockstar. you know the drink Rockstar with the white dog with the pointy ears and the spot on the eye That's, that's why they call it Rockstar and what is interesting is we went down there and Rockstar is a nine-month-old male puppy that was found wandering on the freeway. And somebody loved him. He was born in December 2016. He was, um, what is it that they do to males? They neuter him. So he was neutered, yeah. mm-hmm. but not but not microchipped. And so they kept him at the shelter for they, their standard is three days, and if nobody comes, and claims the dog, then they put him up for adoption. So we had come on the fourth day, and um, and and I took Ray, and, and I thought, oh, God, he's a big dog. He's a shepherd, uh, looks like shepherd pit bull mix. So, um, but just a beautiful dog, looks more like shepherd, but pit bull in the face, has a big bulky head with a, a shorter snout but the ears were pointing us, but the body looked completely shepherd, all white with a brown spot on the left eye and freckles on the nose. Mm. It's just as cute as can be. So we took Rockstar home yesterday, and uh, you know this dog, sits, shakes, is house-trained, and follows Ray around everywhere he goes, just like Ray. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, this dog didn't even pee in the house last night. I got up this morning, and 
you know, uh, he used to lay on his bed as soon as I got up. It's like I thought, oh, my God, I better feed him out before he pees. Because huh. I had him in my bedroom, and I that's the only room with carpet. So I was thinking, oh, I better get him out before he pees. Um, the dog is just so perfect. I mean, he ran out, he went pee, he ran up to me, he licked me, he sit, tried to shake, ran back over and did a poop. Uh, came over and gave me some licking and loving. We went in, he jumped on Ray's bed and gave Ray lots of licks in the face. And I mean, he's just a perfect dog. So Aww, what I really that's need so cool. That's good. Is, is that this dog means so much to me, too. My shitty neighbor yeah. is sort of saying this to me. Uh, I'm clearing the land on that side of the fence because I found out that they're hiding behind the shrubbery. I have sage three, four feet tall. So, you know, I decided to clean uh, that area out. So I hired a, a kind of like a, a drunk guy, right? He drinks a lot. He's poor. But I wanted to help him out. And he came looking for work. And so I said, okay, $10 an hour, however long it takes that you clear this, you know, 40 foot by 15 foot swath of land. And here's the tool. So I uh, went out to give the guy some water, and my neighbor came out and said, uh, what do you think you're doing? That's not your land. You shouldn't even be here. It must be terrible to be old and alone like you. You should oh, be Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. Just really, you know, talking about how I should be dead and and I should be, it's not my dad and cussing me out and then Ray will come out and make vocalizing sounds and he starts mimicking. I mean, I just want to knock the poop out of this guy, but, and I know I could. <laughs> if I had the chance, I know I could, especially after they beat my dog. But, um, you know, I, uh, I was really hurt, you know. I mean, I don't feel alone at all, even though I know I am alone physically. There's no human in my life. I am so full of of the heavenly presence of of enlightened beings and angels and guidance. One time when I was younger, uh, um, I uh, I, I used to work, go to college all day and work graveyard in a restaurant and then walk home. Um, At that time, my car had broke down and I was without transportation. I think I was 17. And um, so anyway, I was walking home, and somebody who didn't like me was on a roof of the laundromat by where I was. And so as I was walking right by the laundromat, I heard sound on the roof. I looked up. As soon as I do, I see a big metal ladder coming down at me, and I could see somebody had thrown it at me from the roof. And if that had hit me, I'd be dead. Mm. And, um, you know, because I was, I, the restaurant I worked at was a street bum, uh, a downtown street bum. And so I would let or invite the people in if they'd come in because I opened the restaurant or closed it in the morning for graveyards. And if they came in really early before the boss got there, I'd give them free meals. I was a cook. But there were some people that didn't like me that were street people and kind of crazy. So I think it was one of them. 
But, you know, as I was looking up at that ladder, you know how you freeze when you're in danger? I was looking up at the ladder and I was thinking, well, that's going to hit me in the head. And you're about four feet above me and I'm telling you, truth be told, something hit that ladder forcefully and knocked it up against the side of the building and forced it down flat on its side. In midair, and that was my answer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I am I am not alone, but I am alone in the world because the world is so full of unloving people. So, <laughs> I just have to generate that love with them, and that's part of the healing. And that's about it for me. Sorry for the long talk. <laughs> Thank you, Elaine, and and you covered so many issues which are a lot of what we talked about last night and this oh Jerry's on hi Jerry and and or it's uh, Donnie but it's important for what you just said you knew who you were and everything you said you knew who you were and that's the essence of all of what we're we're really talking about. If you really know who you are and you know you have these energies that help you, it doesn't matter what you call them. They are your guides, your, your spirituals. They are whatever they are to you. I have the same thing. And that is such a gift. It is a wonderful gift. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what happened this morning for me, and this sounds really stupid, but I went out and I bought my laundry up the stairs on my little cart because it's getting too heavy for me at this time. And so uh, I bounced my cart up the stairs and I got out there and go, I didn't bring the clothespins. So I went back in and got the clothespins and I'm going, so much for efficiency. I try and make it efficient, you know. And I got in. And the reason I'd left the clothespins was my guides made me come back in and turn off the, um, you know how a, uh, when you have a washing machine, it leaves all the electronics on. I had left them on. And I needed to go back in, get my clothespins, and see those lights on. That's why there's always a reason for something. And you, I turned off the machine, took my clothespins and said, thank you, guys. I didn't know I'd left the, the machine on. So that was a big help for me. And they said, you're welcome. And, and all of us have it. All of us have this. We all have our guides. There are so many people that have died in our lifetimes on our lifetimes, and I do say plural because we've had multiple lifetimes, but in this lifetime, there are people you know have passed. They become your guides. They actually are your eyes and ears to what's going on around you. And that's a joy, is we cannot see everything. And we can appreciate what is given to us as gifts. So anybody else have something that they want to add with what Elaine has been sharing? This is super. This is exactly the healing 
that we can do for ourselves. What have you got? What has happened to you? Well, this isn't really a a healing thing, but it kind of what is, what is that high pitched noise that keeps happening? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I just heard it twice. It went again. Yeah, I know. I just really, really high pitched noise. Anyway, I had a we had a dog, a Dalmatian. We had gotten him from a a puppy, <clears throat> and he we were getting ready to put him down. He had you know just suddenly quit eating and all kinds of stuff. He was 13 years old. And I decided, well, I'm, I, I don't want to just watch him starve himself to death, you know, because it just was not a pretty sight. And so we were going to take him and put him down the next day because we had to go out of town, my son and I. And, you know, I, couldn't just leave him there, so we thought, well, this would be a good time. Well, he passed away on his own in the middle of the night, so that was really nice. He died a natural death. You know, he was, you know, it was all sad and everything, yes, because, you know, we had him for 13 years. He was a good dog, um, but my story goes to what happened. I can't remember how long after he had been gone that... um. I had been, I had gone to sleep on the couch, and I was, I I dream, and I and I know I dream, <clears throat> um, so it wasn't unusual for me to, you know, have be having a dream, but what was unusual was something was really terrifying me. I mean, I was scared. I could say almost to the point of being scared to death because whatever this thing was, it was coming at me. And I wound up being in this kind of the hypnagogic state, which is just right before you're completely asleep and you're totally awake, you know, that kind of hypnotized area. Um I I knew where I was. I knew I was on my living room couch. I knew I was laying down sleeping. I knew I was, you know, having a dream. And I knew it was scaring me. But I couldn't move. I could not move. It was like I couldn't get myself to wake up completely. I I couldn't get myself out of that state. And the next thing I know... Um, I mean, I was terrified. I was I was scared stiff, you know, basically. I, I, I couldn't do anything. So something kind of real was happening to me. I don't know, you know, I mean, I've heard of, you know, astral projection and all that kind of stuff, and I think that's kind of what was happening. And something came back with me, and it was not a good thing. <laughs> And the next thing I know, here's my dog, my Dalmatian, my my nice little freckles. Um, he 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 jumped in there and he protected me from this thing. I mean, I was so amazed. I it was, I'm going, man, this 
this this is really happening. I, you know, it was almost like I could literally see every you know everything that's going on here. I'm the he just jumped right in there and he protected me from whatever this dark evil thing was that was coming after me, and he just kind of he he blocked my body with his and the thing eventually went away and he just kind of looked down at me and nuzzled me we know dogs can smile but you know I guess I saw the bigger smile on him at that point um, and he left and I got the the feeling that if anything like that ever happened he would be there you know and i was it was it was just a strange kind of experience that i just thought i'd share you know you know having dogs die and people die and um i wound up you know getting a rescue myself after my husband passed away and um She has been amazing at helping, you know, we both helped each other get through our traumatic losses because she was in a house that the guy had passed away. And I don't know how long she was in the house after that, before she was found. There were five other dogs, or there was a total of five dogs with her. Um... Actually, there's a total of six, probably, because she had three puppies, but three, two of them were dead um, when they fa- when they found them. So, and when I got her, she wouldn't leave my side. She wouldn't even uh, for three days. She wouldn't go to the bathroom because she was afraid I would leave her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was I could say, oh man, just what I need is a needy dog. <laughs> <laughs> kind of frustrating at first, but then it dawned on me, you know what? We're we're both, you know, in a lousy place here. And so we were able to help each other. And mm-hmm. when you're talking about your story, Elaine, you know, this dog that you got, you know, it's it's going to be a wonderful pet for you. I can just tell by the story, you know, he he's already attached himself to you to you and Ray and he's going to be protective. I think what's going to happen is that dog is going to protect you from your nasty neighbors. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just wanted to share that, you know, that I I I believe there is an afterlife and I think, you know, even for our animals, you know, they're they're with us, they're around us. Um just one other quick thing, and then you can don't forget what you're going to say, Elaine. But wonder. Remember, we had someone on the on the call that was doing long distance healing, and she said oh, that yeah. she couldn't get through to me <laughs> because I had too many people, you know, surrounding me and protecting me. You know, there you go. so it's it, you know I think my dog is there too. You know, he, he because he certainly protected me there. I. I honestly, to this day, feel that if he hadn't stepped in, something would have happened to me. I don't know Mm -hmm. what, but I was that scared. I wouldn't have been at all surprised if I wouldn't have died of a heart attack. 
I, it was that scary. What the, whatever this thing was, it was coming at me. So, from now on, I make sure I'm, you know, protect myself before I go to sleep. And I surround myself with, <clears throat> you know, that white light or something that you call it to, to protect yourself before you, right. your spirit. Your spirit goes off to to play at night, you know, because I think I brought something back with me. I really do. Anyway, I'm done. Go ahead, Elaine. I was just going to say, yeah, last night um, I took the dog out because, you know, I didn't know if it was potty trained or not. So I thought, okay, one last walk, make sure I give it a chance to go potty. So I walk around the back. It's the big field, my house, where, where my house is. And this dog saw somebody hiding in the stage. And I'm telling you, this dog's ears perked up and it was pulling over in that direction or whatever it was, whoever it was, got up and you could hear him running through the stage hiding. Mm-hmm. So I believe, I believe that too. But, you know, when I was little, I used to have this, recurring dream and it woke me up from my seat and what it was was um and it followed me periodically through my adult life but now it's no more but what it was was that um i found myself in like a corridor kind of dark and then i would feel before see the presence of something big coming at me and it was very ominous feeling. When it came into view, it was like a huge, giant black bowling ball. But it was giant. It must have been like seven feet tall, five and a half feet across, rolling towards me. And it used to scare me so bad. And I had this dream almost every night or at least weekly as a child. And that dream periodically kept happening you know, throughout my whole life. But now, it's like I've conquered my demons. You know, I I acknowledge that there is, you know, dark forces, and I choose not to be afraid and concerned about it because I know who I am within and where I'm going. I'm not afraid of death. You know, and so I uh, have that too, you know, that real ominous kind of feeling. Uh, not anymore, but there's, you know, if what they say is true about CERN and what they're doing. Uh, they're trying to open some portals to darker dimensions. And the Bible does talk about, or Revelation, or many of other corresponding teachings about how um, portals will be open. I think the Dalai Lama said when they're uh, in it's time of chaos stay in your house and keep your windows closed. And that kind of correlates to, you know, this, the Bible story of Jewish people clearing blood on their doorstep for the Passover. And um, I think it was David Wilcox and that English guy say um, what, that there should be some kind of portal or we know that there's a lot of negative energy in the world, but 
destructive to human crime. And when these things happen, it's just important to not expose yourself to that type of negativity and to, you know, have faith. Don't be afraid. I mean, I like that saying. I don't know who said it, but if I live, I live. If I die, I die. But whether I live or die, I I live and or die with the Lord. And that's the way I think of it. Not for that, because I don't want to get accused me of being religious. <laughs> Anyway, that's about it. I don't want to hog this. What does Jerry have to say? What's going on in Jerry's life? I'm always interested to hear about Jerry. Um, let me uh, see if we've got... Jerry, are you on the line or is it Donnie? Uh, this is Donnie, Don. Don from Des Moines, Iowa. Oh, great, Don. Uh, Don is a friend of uh, Jerry and Gerald. And Don... Uh, uh, what do you have uh, that you can share with us from Des Moines? Have you been hearing some things you like hearing? Or we are health and wellness, and we go into many different avenues because health and wellness deals with the psychological, the physical, the political, and the uh, the uh, oh, there's a fourth one. I was, the what? <laughs> the spiritual track, but that's that's a healer, but it goes into uh, healing so much of uh, what we we have in everyday life, and especially at this time of our life, we're being bombarded with a lot of negativity that we have to be able to work our way through. So I was just wondering if you had anything you wanted to add that you found in your young life, and I know you're one of us mature seniors, so <laughs> what what would you like to add? Uh, well, uh, this is my first time on the calls, uh, and, uh, and listening to Jay, um, I as- assume that I uh, can uh, talk a little bit about the uh, legal issues. Yeah. Uh, the court okay. system. Okay. Uh, and how has uh, it affected you? Oh, because, Donnie, you're the one who helps people. Yeah, go ahead. How do you help people? Well, from my own experience, uh, which goes back to 1985 when I was married and uh, was a farmer and I lost it all, and uh, in the process, uh, losing it, uh, the uh, Department of Human Services, or CPI, is it CPS, as it's also known, uh, took my uh, two daughters, and uh, so I learned the experience of the foster care from the outside, um, and went through the system, and uh, and uh, actually, even though that was 1985, I'm still. Uh, in the uh well in and out of the uh court system uh, i've already i've in the past i uh proved my innocence d h s dropped the uh, abuse reports, but they never did uh return my children even though that I got a supreme court ruling 
that they uh, were to do that. They they chose not to. And so based on that uh, experience, uh, then I came to Des Moines and uh, where I met Jerry. And anyway, and so I uh, used my experience to help other parents. And I found that there's a lot of parents out there that's losing their children on false issues, whether it's medical or uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse, things like that. A lot of faults. Uh, it's and to me, it's all over money. Uh, federal money pouring in. Uh, Social Security money is being used to pay the uh, system. Uh, and then we say that the children are worth a lot of money because of that. Uh, I'll stop at that point. And, and you are bringing up a lot of issues that we are aware of here and how it uh, affects so many people. One of our gals that was in our Patriot group, she um, she actually was a um, odd litem and protected the children as much as she could as she became aware of the insanity that was so much going on around the world and affecting parents. So this is a a wonderful thing that you've been doing for so many people for all these years. And uh, those children, I've read more stories since then, those children were actually used as um, collateral for many things that have gone on in this country. And that collateral is the detriment to most of the people that we know. And they don't want us to know that those children are have been sold, and we, we've learned that they have been sold, and we've learned that uh, children are just um, a commodity, let's put it that way. But the biggest problem with all of it was our ignorance. And you may have found this out, our ignorance over the fact that every time we gave those children and put them on a birth certificate, we sold them into slavery immediately. And that's the sad part we're finding out. And what we have had to really start working against, if that's the right terminology, because they're evil. That's all it is. They're they're just bloody evil. And we need to uh, stop their evilness. And it is about using children as collateral. Most of the people who have not gotten their children back will never see their children if they're still alive, which is a sad thing to say to you, Johnny. But I I, I feel that's where they've been uh, used and abused is really what it is. So I yield. Anybody else have anything they can wish to share with uh, what we've... Uh, we can... Yeah, I will say that uh, after 15 years... Uh, my daughters did contact me, and uh, I have limited 
relationship with them or contact um, because they were in the foster care system hearing about the abuse that never happened. And uh, so it was a struggle for them. Uh, but at least they talk to me now. Uh, so I'm thankful for that. Excellent. I'm glad you even got contact with them. That that totally is is a boon. I love it, and it is it is a lie. Whoever said it was getting back at you at something, and uh, you know they will get the punishment due them for the evil they did and how they affected your children. Yes, I agree. So it's something because we met a gentleman. His name is David Wynn Miller, and he started a whole new genre of how we can fight the courts because the courts were doing that same thing on him. And he said it took him, but it was before they used the children and and actually just put them in the foster care home, and they made money. See, that's all about making money. And uh, he was in the care of his, the daughter was in the care of his wife. So they at least kept that family present. So he, um, it took him, I think, I can't remember, Orpha, was it five or six years before he broke through what it was that the courts were using on keeping the kids. Do you recall that? No, I can't say I do. There were two voices there. I just said I honestly don't remember now. Okay. Yeah, because uh, that is actually how we we got even into David Wood Miller's stuff, which was quantum language. And it, it it helped me keep out of jail. It helped other people that knew it to stay out of jail. So... It is a um, definite and, um, way to learn. Go ahead. And you were on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't a coffee roll either. Or a donut roll. <laughs> but, but it was through him that we were able to actually achieve the results we wanted. So... Uh, I'm I'm glad you you're uh, to me that's a miracle that you can talk to your daughters again. I got a uh, legal question that I'm uh, working with right now that maybe somebody out there might be able to shed some light on um, how to enforce a court ruling. Um, uh, in uh, 1985, when they took my daughters. Uh, uh, on a false uh, criminal search warrant, they came into my home and uh, got family pictures, snapshots. And so uh, then several years later, in 93, uh, I started learning to uh, go in pro se, and uh, I got a court order uh, for the return of all the pictures. Uh uh, from the any agency or the DHS, whoever might have them. Uh, well, I was able to get two pictures, even though they denied they had them. 
but then mysteriously all of a sudden uh, they asked me, are these your, quote, phonographic pictures? Even though the judge, the judge had said originally, these are not phonographic pictures. These are just normal kids uh, sitting on the floor or whatever, uh, fully dressed. Anyway, uh, so then uh, years later, or just actually a couple of years ago, uh, I was I had the opportunity to talk to my uh, uh, therapist, uh, or yeah, therapist uh, that I had uh, asked for back in 1986, and uh, she has befriended me, and I got a, another therapist uh, back then uh, on my side. Anyway, I was looking through my papers, and I see that the Iowa Attorney General's office uh, had requested uh, the pictures and a video that I never got uh, that they took of my daughters. And so now I know that the paper trail at one point ended at the Attorney General's office, and I had actually subpoenaed her to come to court to testify on the picture issue, and she refused to come, and the judge just dropped it. He didn't, uh, wasn't too concerned, I guess, at that point, and so I couldn't get her to testify. But the paper trail stopped at her office, and uh, but I got a court order for the return of the pictures. And so recently I've been trying to uh, put new life into that court order, but I'm getting nowhere at this point in time. So if anybody's got some ideas on that, uh, I'd appreciate it. What you might be able to do, because we are studying that on Beacon 37, is the uh, use of FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act. And um, it, this puts them into a very ridiculous position because the act is over their head, and you're going over their head and saying, um, I've traced, and you, you send it to that attorney general, and she can't really deny you the access of that information as far as I know. So um, when we're off the recording, let me get your email, and I'll send you the documentation that we're getting from Beacon 37 and see if that might help you. Now, what is Beacon 37? We are a group of people who have band together to attempt to bring this country under its rightful method. All of the colonies and the territories were never ratified by the people back in the colonies. So we are bringing all of that forward and taking it to The Hague, the UPU, which are the two most authoritative groups and have the most power, and the UN. So uh, I'll send that to you, and I will... Um, be glad because we have Iowa has been actually bought into the um, uh, into the Beacon 37 
by a chiropractor that came to uh, Spartanburg and uh, liked what he heard and and got on the horn and got some people to get it. I'll try and I'll have to have one of our people get you the information so you can get in contact with him because he's. I don't know that he's in Des Moines or if he's in Dubuque. I can't re- recall where he came from. Okay. So that There's may one, help. Go ahead. One, one other thing. Uh, my son just woke up, so he can't hear me. But um, anyway, uh, there's, uh, usually all the counties have a local, what's called a local magistrate. And it's just like a local courthouse judge. So if you have a legal uh, court order, you know, demanding the release and or the custody of your children, uh, you should take off and make an appointment, call the courthouse and ask to meet with a local magistrate. It's a judge, but they deal in family law issues. And that is a, um, a you know, a court entity that's nobody, that if you have, you know, illegal documents, that gives you authority to retrieve your possessions, um, then that court magistrate, if they're just and honest, will use those documents themselves to reinitiate your claim. Good point. Good point. And we have to do all avenues of what we can to really stop their death hold on you and your family. So this is this is good. Okay. Anybody else? I I, I want to go back to something you had offered us um Elaine with your new dog. What you have done is bought in the military, as far as I'm concerned. Because a pit bull and a mixture of a German Shepherd pit bull is an outstanding combination. They are wonderful family dogs. And people have misaligned them terribly. So it is it is good your You've got a dog that's there for your family, and that's that's invaluable, absolutely valuable. And it will frighten those bullies that are next to you into actually thinking a little bit before, because they know a pit bull will hurt them and a shepherd will hurt them, just like that person, that criminal. Uh, You're absolutely right, Ray. You've got a powerful, wonderful dog for you. I'm sorry, my son is going crazy, but I agree. He always wakes up irritable in the morning because of low blood sugar. I think you're right, and this dog is uh, strong and young, and and I I really agree with you. But I'm going to get up because Ray is. I have to deal with Ray. Thank you. Yeah, you feed him because he's that blood sugar is important to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sweetie. But thank you for all your sharing. This is great. Okay, but it's it's 
and uh, whenever, like Orpha had with her dog, what what this dog is going to be giving Elaine and uh, Ray is the protection they're not getting from their community. And this is very important that all of us have that kind of protection now. The, the neighbor's dog across the, the courtyard for me have a put pit bull. She is the sweetest dog. He is so smart. I can only pet her at nighttime. So she sees me during the day and she'll wag her tail, but I cannot go up and pet her during the day because of a police order. It, it one time said you can't even come across the yard. I said, excuse me, this is where I drive out of this uh, this yard and you will not stop me. Uh, but I, I will go along with them. And the reason I have that problem is someone came in and stole the crate that this dog had been living in for the winter. Now, excuse me. I don't know if any of you have ever seen a travel crate for a dog, but they're open-sided. They're air draft. They are cold. They are miserable to be in during the winter. So that was the home that these this dog had to live in. But she survived because I'd pet her, and we'd get other people that were interested in how she was. And it, it was a, a, a real committed effort we had to even keep this dog really living. And their animal cruelty is, is beyond my cognizance. They won't get her a, a, a doghouse. She has to live out in the cold. And maybe, maybe... There's good that'll come of it, but she's a good dog. All pit bulls are not bad dogs. And combinations are even sweeter. So, if you um, find a bad pit bull, they've been trained to be that way. Correct. There, that is not in their nature to naturally correct. be mean, especially to humans. Yeah. Now, other animals. They do like to attack other animals, but oh um, yeah. But to attack a human or anything, that is not in their nature to do that. Their their nature really is to protect. They will be more likely to protect, you know, than they will be to attack. That's exactly right. They've gotten a bad rap. They've gotten a bad rap as well. And they, they were putting them down here in Spartanburg, but I guess they've gotten to the point where they're destroying some really good dogs and, and there's no need for that. So uh, things change slowly. But I, I'm real glad what everybody's talking about. This brings us really, oh, my Lordy, look what time it is. It's 10.48. We have 12 minutes left of our hour. But I do want, um, Donnie, for you to uh, feel free to keep coming back to our show. 
and um, bringing things forward so that you can have a greater uh, greater feedback with your daughters, greater energies that needs to be rewarded for what you've done because your persistence has at least allowed you to reconnect with those daughters. I mean, it's so horrible. How old are yeah. your daughters now? What's the question? How old are your daughters now? Uh, 38 and 40. Wow. And they were taken at what age? Uh, a little over five. Holy Toledo. And, of course, when I have communication with them, I got to stay away from the past. They don't want to talk about the past. And they need to talk about the past. And then uh, I uh, uh, recently, or last year, uh, I had a, uh, had enough money that I uh, uh, bought a stone uh, and put down where I want to be buried uh, in the next 30 years, you know. But anyway, uh, so I put that, had that stone put up and engraved, and I put my daughter's uh, names in, uh, their birth names and uh, date of birth and their uh, adoptive names, and uh, had the stone set. And then later, I uh, got to visit my uh, oldest daughter, and I showed her, showed her a picture of it. Oh no, that's that could be a stolen identity, and she was very upset that I oh, put my all that God. information on there about her. Oh, but I haven't God. heard anything more. I just let the dust settle and go on. Yeah, yeah, that's programming. That's bloody programming. Oh, you mentioned programming. That takes me back. Uh, uh, I When they were in foster care, I had a good, good relationship with them and always went to every visit I could get. And then uh, it was getting close to their birthday, or, or I mean my oldest daughter's birthday, and, uh, and then they brought in... Uh, well, the social worker had told me when she first took the girls that she was going to break the bond between my me and my older daughter. And yeah. so time goes on, and, and then uh, a year later, they contact a uh, uh, psychologist who uh, knew how to reprogram. And I noticed... I didn't know it at that time. It was years later I got hold of uh, DHS information that showed this. And at that period of time, when that happened, I had a visit uh, with them at my uh, uh, therapist office. I mentioned my therapist earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, oldest girl, uh, she uh, started... Uh, saying negative words about me, uh, I'm mean, uh, words like that, you know. And uh, that ran on for a minute or two, and 
And uh, this is my reaction under that kind of stress. I just sat there and kind of grinned, I remember. I mean, that's not an enjoyable thing. Um, But anyway, then we left the office, and uh, my therapist's office, and there was a requirement put on me that I could take the girls back to their uh, foster home. And, uh, but I'd have to, uh, give them, uh, supper before we left. So I asked them, okay, what would you like to eat? Oh, McDonald's happy meal. So I said, okay. So, uh, we drive down the main street and, and, uh, as I was pulling into McDonald's, uh, the driveway, my daughter, oldest daughter in the front seat, uh, she's kind of the leader i suppose it's natural for older children kind of do this but anyway she reached up and unlocked uh pulled the uh, lock up you know to unlock the door and unbuckled her seat belt and as i'm slowing up you know pulling into the parking lot oh no what do i do i don't live in des moines they don't live in des moines but if they run one girl runs one way and maybe the other girl might run the other way huh what am I going to do? And uh, so I, I reached over uh, and grabbed her, held on. She didn't struggle, and I stopped. I buckled her back up again, locked the door again. Not that she couldn't unlock it and do it again, but uh, I decided uh, there's no way we can get out and get something to eat. So I uh, buckled her back up. And uh, I'm still in my driver's seat, and I turned the steering wheel, and we went out uh, on the street and went back to the foster home. She never did anything more. Uh, but that was just one example after that uh, reprogramming. Um, mm-hmm. Several other instances that I know that that reprogramming affected her. Oh, and then I'd like to jump into one other comment. You mentioned FOIA a little bit ago. I looked up my paper while you were talking about what what I had handed uh, the uh, Attorney General for the pictures last year, and I did not have FOIA on there. I did not have open records that we have in Iowa on there. I do remember that I followed up as an open records here in the state of Iowa and finally, finally, finally got a response and said, well, this is confidential information uh, and we can't release it because it's confidential. But based on what you just told me, I think I'll uh, redo that letter and just put FOIA on the top and uh, hand deliver it back in and see what happens. Yeah, because they they have to do it, and I'll, the materials I'll send you will actually have to force their hand. And the other uh, thing that that goes with it is uh, you're learning how to actually follow up with uh, the the issues of what can be done with them not responding. So what I'd, I I will get your um, you can go to Stephen Guy through Maryland 
and we will, uh, I'd love to have you join us on Beacon 37 because it will give you some information that you need for what you're going through. And your education that you're really getting right now is going to possibly free those young ladies and they're probably mothers now, but if they did marry, and uh, they will uh, they will have some closure on the insanity that's been put on them. That's all yeah. it was. Insanity. Cruelty on top of it. Well, in some boys, I'm surprised that uh, they are able to go on in life, you know, so to speak. Well, that's part of the programming, too. They're not to be showing any damage, as far as I can understand, because um, they don't want people to know what's going on. Uh, David Icke had a great deal of information, and I've uh, read about how uh, women and children have been programmed from infancy, and your children were young enough to have that uh, in another category. And these programming issues are definitely all about you're not having control over your family. That is where this all is. It's all about you not having control over your family. It was all taken away from you. And to me, and it, it, the purpose was, and get this, the purpose was so that the family form was totally destroyed. Yes. That's why they did it. And that's why they've done it to these children. But they don't want the children to ever catch on that it was done to them. So they are, um, they are taking it out on you. They don't know that they have been damaged. They have sure. been really damaged. And uh, it's, uh, I'm just real pleased that you're in their life. I thought people never got back to their children. That's the way I've always been left to uh, think of how this goes. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're even in contact with them. Yes, I know. I've read uh, articles and listened on the news occasionally how they have people, parents have searched or vice versa, searched for many, many years, you know, and it's 15 years before my daughter's uh, uh got motivated enough to contact me. Wow. And then you gotta keep in mind that the uh foster uh, the adoptive parents in this case, and it happened with foster parents too, uh they're protective. They uh protect these children against the uh sexual abusive father, so to speak. Uh even though there is no sex abuse out there that I, I got them to back off and admit that there was no sex abuse but uh, they throw out those words uh, for their benefit right you were going to say something um, Elaine 
Yeah, I uh, I just read a, a story. Uh, this was in the UK News and then on a couple uh, publications in the United States, but also on Info. I found this first reading of information in the UK um, News, European News. Um, there was a five-year-old girl who was raised, um, this is not the point, but who was raised in a Christian family. And uh, she had a single mom and a grandma. And the grandma was a Baptist or, you know, Christian kind of old school bringing type woman. So for some reason, the court decided in the UK that this mom was an unfit mom. And so what they did, and this just is heartbreaking, they had a uh, immigrant family from, that were Muslim that were uh, strict Quran followers, and they took this little girl, even though her grandmother would have taken her, and they put her in this family, Muslim family. And the reason they did it is as a child. And they did it because on the guy uh, who set this thing up with some kind of official said because the immigrants can make money. They actually get an income by becoming foster parents. So right. what they did is they made this girl take off. They took off her. Uh, she used to wear a little cross. She's five years old. Used to wear a little cross around her neck. Uh, they took that off. She was forbidden to speak Jesus. She had to wear a, uh, you know, covering like uh, no more American clothing. And she could not talk about Jesus and she had to learn their language. And they were very, very strict and it was heartbreaking. And she pleaded over and over again, you know, please let me go to grandma. You know, they won't even let me speak English, you know, please, begging, begging. And um, nothing happened until finally the story got picked up and they realized that the um, people, her foster care uh, providers, the immigrants, were abusing her, mm-hmm. that they were uh, degrading her verbally with their, you know, uh, religious beliefs and that they were, uh, you know, keeping her kind of, I'm not sure all the details, but kind of isolating her not letting her go out and very restrictive and it was considered abuse. And the social workers that put her in that place refused to acknowledge the purpose for their decision when a family member, a grandma, was willing to take her. And that just shows the corruption that is out there. You know, it's just really, it was heartbreaking. This little girl was in tears you know, crying, please let me go to grandma, let me go to mom. And you can imagine how the mom was feeling knowing that, you know, that her daughter is in this situation. Well, so, and, and uh, go ahead, finish up what you're saying. Come on, that's it, that's it, that's it. Because what you're you're talking about is the, um, is the kidnap and the uh, destruction of any family caring, any family use of of having children in your lives. And it is a purposeful program. And I'm I'm with you insofar as how much they have degraded these children to being totally incapable of having any life. 
this one girl in a store that I read, she she was told if she ran away, she would be killed. Now, she was like six or seven, so she understood that. So what she did is she kept watching for her opportunity. She was very smart. She kept herself very tuned in to what was going on around her. And she eventually did run away and got into this town in some foreign country. It wasn't America. It was a foreign country. And she got there, and um, she begged for asylum, and somehow that got caught up or, or, or reported or something. And she was, um, uh, she, her mother saw her, and it, this was, she was somewhere in her, um, she, I think it was almost five years that she was that old but she knew and had remembered enough from where she lived that she knew she wasn't where she was supposed to be. And uh, it it saved her life, actually, because she was able to get out of there and her mother came and rescued her. But imagine how that affects you the rest of your life, that you feel your parents deserted you. And she didn't. She was kidnapped. This is what yeah, do. a lot of children, I think, get that feeling. Yes. And it's abandonment. And it's, it, this is why with your children, uh, Donnie, it's important that the fact that they refuse to let you talk about it is very indicative that you would be able to reveal to them the damage that was purposely done on them. It was purposeful. There's no way around it. And it was uh, about making them, have your daughters married? Do they have children? Uh, No, they don't have children. One's, uh, uh, for many years, has had a live-in boyfriend, and the other one, uh, she did get married, but it's I assume it's uh, what you call a common law marriage, and I have no problem with common law marriage. It's just not uh, recorded. Uh, but in the process, uh, she got a stepson that comes to her house uh, on visits. So, so she's, got, she's got a, uh, a stepson that lives with them. Uh, on visits, visits. Oh, visits. Okay. Stays with the mother, uh, the other mother, you know, and, and comes to oh. visit. Okay. But look at how they're not creating a family. They're not raising a family. They're not creating a family. Uh, that's because, true. Not yeah. Yes. Well, they may not. Look at why they may not. My children may get stolen from me. Would you raise children? Would you want to have children? If that was the mantra you were taught? Even though they don't think about it, that could be in the very back of their mind, you're saying. It's always back there. It is always back there. 
Uh, several years ago, I went to the Capitol. Outside the Capitol, we had a uh, uh, meeting with parents and uh, went on for an hour or so. Then uh, afterwards, uh, off to the side, there came a uh, man and woman, uh, and they had a uh, wedding right there, uh, right after we were done with our uh, meeting, you know, and I thought, those people have no idea what the future could hold for them. You know, get married, have children, and then lose them. That's correct. And part of the thing that the the whole cataclysm of this is that license. That license, what it, the word means, is the right to do evil. It is not a license for you to be married. It is a license to do evil by the state. They can come in at any time. That's why your driver's license, your um, fishing license, and all the other crap, pardon me, that they have us pay for is all the right to do evil. And so what you're seeing by the fact that the children that your your daughters are not marrying have become uh, common law is that they have learned something. When you're common law, the state cannot do anything to you. They have no jurisdiction over you. None. Yeah, that's a good point. And if they get have children, this is the other side of this coin. If they have children, if they give them a birth certificate, their children will go through the hell they went through. And those girls know it. It was hell. So, uh, and and they think you're the bad guy. Mm -mm. You're not the bad guy. You were used just as much as they were used. True. So it's a, it's a um, what we all have to do is really look at and start asking questions about what is that license really for? Who is it going to help? And that's that's really where we all are. Because if we do not know what that license is for, the real purpose of the license, then we will never get free of these um, these pedophilers, whatever name you want to call them. Because in the foster homes, many of these foster homes are far worse than homes where these kids were removed from. Yeah, uh, I could inject uh, something else that's been going on here in Des Moines, if you got a minute on that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, in the past uh, year, uh, there has been a uh, foster girl uh, in homeschool, and I support homeschool, 
uh, was 17 years old and uh, started talking negative about uh, the foster home uh, being locked up in the basement and not being fed. And uh, and I actually got to meet the uh, foster parents. Uh, and uh, but anyway, uh, as I said, the girl was uh, starting to talk uh, negative, and it got out to the police and then to the Department of Human Services, and you know the nightmare then grows, and and the foster mother was charged with child abuse, and uh, her attorney uh, talked her into a plea bargain. Oh, you no. know, saves you many years in prison. You know. Uh, so, and then shortly after that, then there was a, uh, a state legislator set up a meeting at the Capitol and brought that uh, teenage girl in, and uh, there was probably 75 of us uh, people sitting there listening, and uh, it was put on the news and et cetera. And she, the girl talked for a good half hour. Then the grandmother was there, and she's supportive of the uh, uh, the daughter about this abuse that was going on in foster home. She's supportive, you know, concerned about her uh, granddaughter. And then she had a, one or two sentences. She talked about the past uh, before the girl was put in the foster home. She took care of that girl, and she threw up, I'm not sure if this is her ha- uh, words, she threw up her hands and put the child in foster care. Now, I've never heard Whoa. about the uh, parents taking care of the girl in the beginning, what kind of abuse went on, et cetera, or not abuse, uh, but Grandma was taking care of her and couldn't take care of her, so she put her in foster care, and here the, the uh Homeschool family uh, parents are trying to take care of her, and then they get in legal trouble. So that's a quite a deal, I think. Well, and sometimes these uh, these children become uh, uh, liars just to get the attention because they don't have any attention given to them. And this is where a lot of people have gotten into trouble. My nephew. Um, married a woman from um, Brazil, and she seemed to be a really nice lady. They had a child, and um, he was, uh, you know, they were happy about the child, and then she wanted out of the marriage. And with wanting to get out of the marriage, she um, said that he had sexually abused the child. And um, her son was from another marriage, was sent back to Brazil. My nephew could not see his daughter unless he had my sister-in-law in the room every time. Yeah. So his his reputation was, was ruined. His uh, ability to be a father was ruined. And uh, it was, oh, many years before he was really able to have that child in his life. And you know what? 
That child now has graduated from college. She loves her father. He, uh, he, he took over that child's life uh, and financed everything that that little girl went through for the betterment of what the mother was going to do. The mother went out and became a, um, what do you call it, a, um, uh, a, a companion to businessmen when they came to town. Uh, it was a high-priced hooker is basically what she became. And oh, girl. This, yeah. This was oh. the one they gave the child to. Hello? Is there something wrong with this picture? And that's how he won his daughter back by showing that's what the woman was doing. And wow. that cleared his reputation. But she didn't get removed from the city. She didn't get removed from his life per se. But there was, there was all this, and it was a false accusation. My, my nephew would never have done that. He loved his daughter. And so it, it, it is someone's word against yours, and they get the senior word, not you and your honesty. But the, but the damage uh, continues to go on after the uh, false accusations. Oh, absolutely. I went. I I went back to a uh, uh, my hometown and looked up a minister whose wife had uh, tried to adopt my girls while they were in my uh, custody uh, when I was still a parent. And uh, uh, the uh, this uh, I was in the house. The minister walked into the house, and I said, "Hi, I'm Don Bergmeier," and. Uh, and I hadn't, uh, I hadn't seen him uh, since long before this whole thing started when I was a teenager. But anyway, he had never seen me, uh, ex, you know, when they took my daughters. And uh, so I walk in and I said, I'm Don Bergmeier. And like I say, his wife tried to adopt the children, and the girls were in, come over to visit them and ride their horses, things like that. And when I said, I'm Don Berkmeyer, he never responded at all. He didn't remember the name, even though the girls, well, they probably called him um, Barb and Tina, but not the last name maybe, so I can understand that he could forget. And then I had a picture of my girls back, at that age, I held the picture up, and he said, the uh, father abused those children. That was his memory. Wow. Didn't make any difference about my uh, good reputation in the church, but he could remember that. I was abusive. The father was abusive, I mean, I should say. And nothing I could say to him would change his mind. DHS planted it in there, and he still has that belief to this day. That's right. And they will. And they will. And that's, that is the evil. That is the evil. But it's, oh, my God, it's 1120, but Donald, stay on. Donald, stay on, and we'll do our ho-ho-pono-pono so that you can see where we are. 
This has been a very interesting program. Oh, here it is. Nikki's been saying wonderful words. I've been so concentrating. Nikki says, Veritry hyphen maintenance hyphen champ champerty c-h-a-m-p-e-r-t-y and she's given some other nikki is a wonderful researcher she's so good and she's got a virginia uh, this link is for virginia law review number six march 1916 champerty and maintenance in the united states oh they just had an 8.1 earthquake in mexico so the world is getting rattled, and we are part of the. I'm going to save this so that you have that information um, for uh, for when I send you uh, because I've got your email address. So do send me back an email so that you know that uh, I can send you stuff because Google won't keep. Uh, keep the email addresses anymore. In yeah, closing, you, go ahead. I, re, I received your last email. Oh, you did receive the Google one? Uh, not Google, uh, Gmail. Okay. So that was what I'm telling you about the meeting. Good. Yeah, what, yeah. What is very important is all of us need to stop using Google. I sent out an email this morning uh, or last night about a um, maybe it was this morning about a new fuel and the email I sent last night was about Google becoming the dictator for the internet and who's at the top of the list for this new fuel now this new fuel is called white gold it is a it is created by the pressure of the uh, the plates of the earth that create this energy, and it, when it dries out, it is so wonderful. You can buy one gallon of it. It'll be $49. It'll be less, of course, as more uh, stations have it, but it's $49, and it will have you use your car for 53,752 miles. That's great fuel. And so at the top of the list, Google, and buying up most of that properties or whatever they're having to buy up. And we do not want Google as our next dictator. It's just switching dictators, and we don't want it. So uh, I'll send you that, uh, Johnny, so you have it. But okay. Larry, Who's doing all the moving around? It, it might be um, Donnie, but we'll, uh, if you could just not do the moving around, we'll show you how to do the ho-ho-pono-pono. So everybody, let's do our ho-ho-pono-pono. Do you want to start around? Um, or, uh, yeah. <laughs> Let me do that. Hang on. Okay, that did it. All right, go ahead. Okay. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I'm sorry. 
I am sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Elaine, do you want to go next? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Thank you. Thank Thank you. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I love you. I love you. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Thank you. Thank Thank you. I love you. I love love you. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. How, how, how. And it is this way of using the ho-ho-pono-pono that we are able to heal with ourselves. And I'm saying that for you, John, on the fact that with me doing the ho-ho-pono, it's just those five lines. They can be said in any order. You've heard them three different ways. There is no wrong way of saying it. What is the right thing for you is healing you. Because you've been very harmed. Each one of us has been harmed in some way or another. And we have been using this for uh, many years now. Isn't it about two years now, Orphan, that we've been saying this? And we're finding people are, there's a whole different energy out here. Because more people are using the Ho'oponopono. And the more people use it, the more it spreads. And, oh, that reminds me, they're doing a meditation at noon uh, everywhere across the world, no matter what noon is in your area. And it is to push Irma away from the coastline of Florida and to make it go out into the middle of the Atlantic and just blow itself out. And the same with um, uh, who's the, Jose, who is right behind it because the devastation is already done. And whether or not this is a man-made, man-made hurricane is not the issue. They are doing damage now. So we need to meditate at noon. Whatever meditation you have, do the meditation focused on moving Irma and Jose out into Atlantic so it does no harm. And... uh, with that, we'll, we'll put our arms out and we'll hug the world and, and those that were in the earthquake in Mexico, those that are um, having fusions in the country. Yes. First, I want to say for Don, he, uh, if he's never heard the Ho'oponopono before, the Ho'oponopono is sent to your, is said to yourself. You're not asking for somebody else's forgiveness or anything like that. You're asking for your own forgiveness. So that is sent towards yourself. But it has benefits outside of yourself for doing it too, besides for yourself. Because we don't want to forgive ourselves. We don't think, you know, we can do that. But that's what that's for. Yes. Very good. Thank you. and and. Uh, this is wonderful because it is Orpha keeping me tuned in to be sure everybody knows what we're doing. This is not my program. This is our program. And you're always welcome to our program because it is 
a unification of all of our resources, thinking, and love of each other. And so here at the end, what we do is we, we actually give a mighty hug to the world. Because out there in the world, <clears throat> we gave a hug to Houston, but it was off the recording, but we still gave it to Houston. And Randy said to actually listen to, um, what was it, 438 or something uh, in the um, Fibonacci uh, vibration to Calpstown in Houston. And what we can also do for these two hurricanes. There's another one that's going to hit Mexico, but it may not be as, as powerful. But right now, these two are right hot on each other's. So uh, please keep people in mind that have been in the floodings that have been around the world, the landslides, the the now the earthquake in Mexico, all of these and fires and fires all up and down the west coast. I believe all of these have been purposely started to have the people so fractured that they want the authority to take over. No, 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 people. We are the authority. Take responsibility for your life and for what you're doing, just as Donnie did with his children, just as Elaine did with, with her dog this week and with our wonderful um, fact that now they've got a replacement that is so good for her son and her. And this is what is so necessary in each of our lives. We are in charge of our lives, not someone outside us. So with that, let's put our arms out, spread that love, spread that energy, spread that realization that you are the man. And let's give Patty's uh, call, and that's an E sound, uh, Donnie, and we sing it out on a one, a two, a three. Excellent. We are tuning up and turning on. And this is the end of our show. And I really appreciate all the newness we brought in and the energy that we're sending out. So we'll see you here next Friday. Come and join us again, Don. And tonight is the Constitution Group on Friday evening, and they start at 4 p.m. West Coast time and at 6 p.m. Iowa time and Iowa and Illinois. And then for me, it's 7 o'clock. So we'll see you there tonight. Look forward to hearing what you have to say, and we'll move on. Thank, thank you. you. As- thank you, Donnie. Thank you, Arthur. And, and thanks, Nikki. Nikki has it. And I'm going to turn off the recording.